So if you turn in your Bible, please, to the Gospel of John. We've been actually working our way systematically through the Gospel of John. And today we, by God's amazing providence, come to Palm Sunday. Now next week is going to be a little different because the next thing is not necessarily Easter because John has tremendous amount of literature between uh, Palm Sunday. See, Palm Sunday is the Sunday, was that, five days before the crucifixion? Christ will die on this coming Friday, according to the timetable here in the Gospel of John. So, so much happens, and John, you know, goes all the way through many chapters. And so, anyway, I'm just saying it's gorgeous and wonderful. I invite you to meditate and read it. But today we're going to look then at, at, as you can see on the screen, John 12, John 12, 12 through 19. Hear the word of God. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, and, and do you think they said it loudly? No, they were, you know, they were, they were probably, you know, Scandinavians. Uh, excuse me, I'd like to say Hosanna. It's okay with you? <laughs> no, 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 the Hebrews had wonderful loud ways of worshiping. Um, anyway, it's a, it says they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And, and, you know, there's some irony there, because what will Pilate put above the cross? This is the king of Israel. Um, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. <laughs> it's interesting how when you're in trouble and you start to panic, you start blaming everybody else. It's your problem. You, you Pharisee, it was my problem. You did this, probably. The whole world has gone after him. Let's open in prayer. Father, we praise you that although remotely distant, far from this time and space recorded for us, uh, we can enter into it because you've recorded it carefully for us. 
You've given us so many details that we can't even possibly contemplate them all in one time period. Uh, but we want to focus in on how John records this entry of triumph into Jerusalem. And as we already sang, Lord, we sang our prayer. Uh, would you be uh, glorified in the preaching of your word? And would you teach us? Uh, would you plant good seed deeply in our heart? Would you even prepare our souls right now? Uh, to hear what you are saying, O Lord. And we we praise you, and I pray also that in our own way we'll come to you humbly, but with energy and, and pleas for help to come and worship you and praise you and worship and ask you for, for help and intervention even as the Jews did on this day so many years ago. We always pray, always and only, through the authority of Jesus Christ. Humbly we come, sinners, into your presence. We come through the gift of your righteousness. And yet you tell us to come boldly, boldly, because the price has been paid. One man did die so that we can live. And he was glorified and rose again. Hallelujah. Amen. So, this is the way I want to approach this. First of all, just t- think about this concept. Jesus came that day, and, and Jesus is still coming. You know, may I remind you, uh, uh, this is a public service announcement, truly. <laughs> this is a PSA. Jesus is coming back. This is an absolute reality. Whether you believe it or not, whether you understand it or not, this is an underlying reality of all life, of all time and space. The timeline of our life, by the way, is not eternally, eternally cyclical. Life actually isn't a circle. It's actually a line. It's linear. It's going somewhere, uh, even though... In The Lion King, there was a very persuasive song that said life is a circle. Not actually the truth. It's going somewhere. It has a goal, a telos, an end. And so I put up here the very last couple of verses in the Bible. How does the Bible end? It's in Revelation 22, 20, and 21. He who testifies these things says... Surely I am coming soon. This is the word of Jesus. He, how does he define soon? You know, he defines it. it it's any time he wants. He's not being held up by some, you know, prophetic historical event that needs to happen. It's like, well, if that would only get done, I could, I could come, you know. No, he, he, he will come, and, and it is soon. It, it is soon. And our response is, amen. You know what that means? That means, so be it. It's a Hebrew word meaning, may this be true. And may we be ready for it. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let me see. I think, did I lop off a word there? Let me double check. No, that's exactly how it goes. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So I ask you right at the outset, are you ready? Thank you, Tony. <laughs> it's supposed to be rhetorical, but uh, excuse me. You can answer any time. <laughs> and how in the world can we be ready? Are we living our lives in such a way that if he came and he decided soon was now, are, are we ready for him? The only way, ultimately, finally, bedrock to be ready is to be depending on his grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. You know, if, if you honestly, if you answer that question, well, I hope I'm ready, I hope I did enough, I hope I was good enough, you don't understand the very, very, very good news. The gospel is that he paid it all, and the corollary to that is it's impossible for you to pay it at all. You can't pay off your debt. And, and that's why we depend on the goodness and grace of God. So how should we be ready? And I, I would say, let's take a page from the Jews today and think about what they were saying and what they were doing. We should welcome him with praise and prayer. They're literally welcoming Jesus. Uh, there's a, you know, a contemporary song goes back about 15 years. I guess that's not contemporary anymore. I don't know. But um, it's, it's a Hosanna song. You've probably heard it. And one of the lines is, We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. I, I like that song. Um, we welcome you. Come into our city. Uh, you know, we're going to take off our coats and lay them on the ground. We're going to run and cut branches off the trees and wave them at you. We're so excited that you're here. It's this word, Hosanna. And uh, I believe that the word of God is given to us for careful thought and meditation, encouragement and instruction. So let's look at this word, Hosanna, that they yelled out here. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, a little background on this that I find quite interesting. It's from, from Psalm 118. Uh, let's turn there. Which, by the way, is our psalm for next week. So, you know, you're going to get a leg up on Easter reading if you pay attention here for a few minutes. Psalm 118, we're going to use... Uh, for our Easter psalm, because we are methodically reading through the psalms. And let's look at verse 19 through 29. There's so much here about the triumphal entry and about the ministry of Jesus Christ and, and, and who he is. We would call this then a, a messianic psalm, meaning it's about the Messiah. Uh, and it teaches us a lot about him. And, for example, verse 19, Open to me the gates. You know, he's coming through the gates. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. By the way, when you see that word, Lord, spelled like that, all capitals, L-O-R-D, that is the Hebrew name for God. Uh, we think it's pronounced Yahweh. Uh, the Jews, being overly fastidious, decided never to say his name again. 
because you wouldn't want to say it in vain. So they would say Adonai. So whenever they came to the Hebrew word, oh, transliterating Y-H-W-H, the sacred tetragrammaton, the sacred four letters, Y-H-W-H, they would say Adonai. And so later on, when they put the vowels in, they put the vowels for Adonai underneath this word. Uh, it took us a while to figure that out, but now we know what they're doing. So that's important, though. It's important to what goes on in this psalm. And give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. This is, the, this is Yahweh's gate. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected, that's Jesus Christ, has become the cornerstone. This is Yahweh's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. The salvation is a work of God. You know, give up the idea that you can do it a little better, work a little harder, make the five steps, keep the 12 prepositions, <laughs> leave out the participles. You know, you can't do it. This is so wonderful. There's a release in this. There's a humility in it. Because we have to give up ourselves, and we have to admit we're sinners. But there's a tremendous release in that process. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And here is the next word is Hosanna. Save us. We pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Because you see in the Hebrew, I have the Hebrew written out here in my notes. It starts out with the word Ana, Yahweh, Ho, She, Ah, Ho, She, Ah, and that's our Hosanna, okay? Ho, She, Ana. So Ana, the very first word, it means, it starts out with please. You know, I'm praying this. Ana, Yahweh, Ho, She, Ah. Now this is cool. In so many wells, the, the Ho, She, Ah is uh, my probably translate, I mean, pronunciation of Hosanna. But the root, you know, in Hebrew, and I think share, I think uh, Arabic stole this from, um, from Hebrew. Um, the root is typically three letters. And this is a Y and the Shin and a, a the uh, other, other letter. <laughs> what is that letter? <laughs> and it's Yasha. Yasha. Important Hebrew verb. It means he saves. And does it Yasha, Yashua, Yashua? Does that sound kind of familiar? How about Joshua? Okay, that's this word. Hosanna is a word where the root is save us. And it starts out with Ana, please, Yahweh, save us, please. There's an energy of pleading, a turning from myself to Him. I realize I'm in deep trouble. I need help. 
One time when I was, I was either uh, 13 or 14, I thought, my friend and I, it was, it was winter time in Neptune, New Jersey, and we were in a boarding school. And we decided it would be the, the, the highest part of wisdom to go down to the Shark River and jump on a raft, some sort of handmade Tom Sawyer sort of raft. And uh, we had no means of propulsion or steering, but, you know, you're 14, it's a beautiful afternoon, uh, dusk is approaching, and it's winter in New Jersey, jump on the raft! <laughs> now, uh, you can Google Shark River, because uh, we weren't that far from the ocean, the Atlantic, and it turned out, uh, in our perfect timing, tide was going out. <laughs> and so we were out with the tide, <laughs> and we sat on this Tom Sawyer raft um, for like an hour or so, <laughs> increasing levels of panic. What are we going to do? It was insane. And at this point, we realized we had no means of salvation on our own. We were in dire straits. And uh, fortunately, there were a few uh, energetic, bold fishermen around. And finally, uh, a fisherman came around uh, to our raft. And I'll never, ever, ever forget. I, I was not a small boy. I was already, you know, I wasn't, I was never, well, never mind. I just, you know, <laughs> I was not a small boy at this point. But he picked me up off that raft, boom, on the deck of his boat. <laughs> and it felt so good. And he was so mad. <laughs> what are you idiots doing? <laughs> but I was saved. I was saved. And, and I was pleading for help. You know, I wasn't saying, oh, no, no, go back, go away. Uh, we'll be fine. You know, you have something to eat? No, no, no. We were ready to give up on our own means and to be saved. And that just hits me. Anna, help us. Please help us. Are you going to... Save me. And that, that's the deep uh, meaning of this word, Hosanna. It's the underlying meaning. The rest of the phrase is actually similar. Th this one was Ana, Yahweh, Hoshiana. Oh, see, the Na is, we just think it's one word, but it's two words in Hebrew. And the Na literally means please. It's a pleading. And then the next phrase is, is constructed in the same way. Ana, Yahweh, a different verb. And the final word is na, which is, please, we pray, give us success. Let me read a little bit more in this psalm. Uh, and we're going to get back to this for just a little bit. It's an important, important word for today. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, is God. So you notice, this crowd in Jerusalem, whether they even fully understood everything they were saying, they're yelling out to Jesus, would you please save us, Lord? It says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They quote, save us, we pray, O Lord, O Yahweh, you are God. You're the one who can intervene for us. 
You have the infinite capacity. You're the Lord of hosts of armies to save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Look at this next phrase. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. This is kind of cool because if you look at the, some of the best commentaries, they, they literally look at this and go, man, we don't think they ever really did that. That they brought the sacrifice in and like tied them up to the horns of the altar. Um, so what does it mean? And what I love here is there's a little, little creativity going on here in this psalm. It's saying, you know, we are securing the sacrifice for our sins. And it's certain now. Let's celebrate that the sacrifice for our sins has come. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 28, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. This isn't just optional stuff, dear friends. I I think a lot of Christians think, oh, the whole rejoicing and praising thing is sort of optional. Like at some point when, when I feel good and when my prayers are answered and when my knees are met, needs or knees, in whichever case, (laughs) you know, then, right? Then, when I've, when I feel good, I'll thank you. No, that's, that's not... Why? Because we're supposed to be people who understand. If you're a believer, you're saved. You know, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even death. Not even an ISIS invasion. You, you cannot lose that relationship. It's permanent and absolutely secure because it's based on something I didn't do. <laughs> that is the core of the gospel. And it really, really, uh, that's the core of what the Bible teaches and we believe. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Steadfast love endures forever. I'll also recommend occasionally reading uh, decent commentaries, and I have one here today. Uh, this one is The Gospel According to John by D.A. Carson. And this brief paragraph, it really sheds some light on this. You know, why did they start yelling Psalm 118 uh, on that day? He says this, The cry, Hosanna, originally a transliteration of Hebrew, Hosiana, literally, give salvation now, had come to be a term of acclamation or praise. Every Jew knew of its occurrence in Psalm 118.25. He said, they're way ahead of us. If you came in this morning and go, oh, I didn't know that was from a psalm. Um, Well, okay, that's fine. Let's start from there and build, right? That shows we got stuff to learn. Amen? Everybody, I'm going to do something that uh, I think it was Tony told me he hates this this week. But turn to your neighbor and say, you've got something to learn. (laughs) 
Is that bad enough for you, Tony? <laughs> but seriously, we have something to learn. Every Jew knew of its occurrence in Psalm 118.25. For Psalm 118 is part of the Hallel, which is the uh, Psalms of Ascent from Psalm 113 to 118. It was sung every morning by the temple choir during the Feast of Tabernacles, but also associated at this period with the Feast of Dedication, which was, remember, Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, which we've just come through in the Gospel of John, um, and with the Passover. So Psalm 118 is very popular. You can understand why. It's rich and wonderful. It's associated with the Passover. Now listen to this. Indeed, at tabernacles at least, and possibly at the other feasts, every man and boy waved his lulab, which is a few shoots of willow and myrtle tied with palm. When the choir reached the Hosanna. So when the, the choir would sing through Psalm 118, they're all kind of excited. They've got their props. They just can't wait. And then when the choir hit, Hosanna, you know, Anna, Yahweh, Hosanna, they would whip out their palm and start waving it like, me too, over here. I need you. I'm not too embarrassed to admit it. And I'm going to do something planned, but also physical and spontaneous and exciting, visual, memorable. And so it's a, they, uh, uh, okay, Myrtle with Palm, when the choir reached the Hosanna in Psalm 118, verse 25. The connection was so strong that many Jews referred to their lulabs, that's this, <laughs> Sounds like a kind of a dog, right? Well, this is a lab, and that's a lulab. But <laughs> lulab, uh, they refer to them as hosannas. Okay, so that's kind of the background that we uh, probably wouldn't get just by reading it as English readers. Uh, this was very common, and they associated this psalm with a prayer for help, and they expected God to help them. Um, Here's a couple of other references I'd like to read. This is, this is Zechariah 2.10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come, and I will dwell in your midst. Do you remember what Martha said? Um, in chapter 11, verse 27, she made a great confession, which we... When I preached through it, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even mention it. Uh, that's how uh, rich the material is and how poor a preacher I am. But uh, 11.27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. It's a huge confession. Martha's saying to Jesus, You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. The Messiah was, is always the coming one. And that's why it's so appropriate to start this message by saying he's still the coming one. He's the one who is coming. And it was one of the ways to describe him. And as, as I said, Zechariah 2.10, sing and rejoice. Oh, wait a minute, did that say be distracted and overwhelmed? 
to be depressive and down, or to be living your own sinful lifestyle and rebellion against the Lord. No, 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 no. We've got to repent of all of that. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, look, I come, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Let's look at the next word I want to emphasize, Hosanna, and then blessed. Blessed is he, or sometimes we pronounce it Old English, blessed. Blessed is he, or blessed is he. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's verse 13. Now, I I think we'll do a little quiz right now. Is there anybody famous in American politics currently whose name is absolutely related to this word in Hebrew? He lives on Pennsylvania Avenue. I think the address is 1600. What's his first name? Barak. This is this Hebrew word. There there you go. I didn't know that. (laughs) Our president is named uh, after this Hebrew word. It may have come through Aramaic, I don't know, or Arabic rather. But this is this Hebrew word, blessed. Blessed, Barak. Very, very common word in the Old Testament. It's like over uh, 300 times. And it means to, the first meaning, you know the first meaning of it is? It means to kneel down. It's a physical word to describe somebody kneeling down. And I, I will kneel down right now. You know, I don't think we kneel down enough. I, I don't know how to incorporate stuff like that into worship. Um, you know, we, we kind of have like one posture right now. That means standing. Um, and, and I just, you know, I'm not saying, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> but think about it. The, the very basic meaning of this word is to bow. Do we bow before God? Sometimes we bow at our home. Do you ever do that as a family? It's a good thing. When you're, when you're praying, go in the living room and bow down, kneel down before the Lord. You know, maybe we aren't going to be doing it here too much. Like I said, I'm, I'm not purposely trying to drive an agenda. I'm just saying, this is the word of God. <laughs> we bow before the Lord. Watch that word so many times in the Psalms, right? And when we have, we have like one posture, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, add some postures. <laughs> just think about it. For example, this Hosanna thing, and them running and getting the palms, that was a known way of responding, but they applied it in an innovative way, right? This was a different situation. They were raising their palms and saying Hosanna and blessed to Jesus the Christ because they were so overwhelmed by who he was. And all of a sudden, this was it. I need to worship him. I need to let it go. And and there's this basic meaning of the word blessed of I kneel down before you. You know, even in American culture, uh, it's a joke, but if somebody does something really good and you go like this, right? (laughs) You ever seen that? You know, we, we mean it as a joke, but we're saying, wow, 
you did something really good. I admire that. I respect that. Now, here's the underlying question, I hope. How much more should we humble ourselves before God? God the Almighty. You know, how much more should we stop and appreciate who He is and appreciate the moments and the reality that He gives us? Where, this is a definition from one of the dictionaries. Where God is the object of human blessing, the context is invariably one of worship and praise. When people bless God, they offer Him praise for who He is and what he has done on behalf of those he loves. It is frequently used in Scripture in the sense of speaking good of or to a person. And so the Bible comes to us in two basic languages, Hebrew and Greek. And Greek is so wonderful, they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek too, because it was the language of trade for 600 years, thanks to Alexander the great, right? You all knew that. And that's why we have so much Greek uh, around us. And so it's interesting to know that the word for Barack Obama, not the Obama part, but the Barack part, the Hebrew word to praise, to bless, is translated in the Septuagint with eulagesen, eulagesen, to eulogize. It literally means to say good things about God. And and here is a spiritual discipline, right? First of all, I'm saying when we come to Jesus, we say, help us, please, please. I'm on a raft floating out to the Atlantic Ocean. I need your help. I'm hopelessly in danger of perishing. Help me, please. And now we say, you are good. I bless you. I eulogize you. I have the spiritual discipline to inform myself about your goodness and to believe it and to trust it regardless of my empirical investigation at times. I could look around and say, wow, if God was good, he wouldn't let this happen. He wouldn't let that happen. He wouldn't let that happen. But the Bible says he is good. He is always good. And we, when we come to him humbly, we receive his steadfast love. So, blessed means to kneel and to bow down. Hosanna means, I praise you. Help me, please. You have the ability to help me. You have the ability to pick me off this raft and slam me on the deck of your boat. Now, you won't be angry at me, but you will save me perfectly, and I, I, I honor you for that. We should welcome him with praise, prayer, and obviously joy, and then finally humility. There's so much humility in the basic meaning of these words. And what struck me as I was studying for this, I thought, I don't always think of that. I I forget that aspect of it. I, I, I think of boisterous praise, but I forget the foundation of humility that that produces the praise. And And the Bible won't let us do that. Let's remember that the basic meaning of the word barak means to kneel down, to worship God Almighty. And when we say we bless him, we honor who he is and what he has done in humility. Now, 
Speaking of humility, I can't go by one Palm Sunday without introducing you to some of the best transportation available. <laughs> the lowly, humble donkey. I just, I love this. It's so wild and so wonderful. The text says, and Jesus found a young donkey. Now, there's a whole backstory to that that's truly marvelous. It's in the synoptics um, where Jesus sent them into the city to find the donkey. They walk up and start untying it, and they, have, they, they say, hey, the master needs it. And they, the, the guys say, okay, well, you can have it then. Now, I recommend you trying this. Up, up in uh, Moss Landing, there's a place called the, uh, the Whole Enchilada. And there's a bar uh, next to it, and there's about 200 motorcycles there right now. You have to have a Harley, apparently, to park there. I'm not sure. But just go up to one of the Harleys and start taking it. And if anybody says anything to you, say, the master needs it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I literally passed by there yesterday, and I saw a guy with Hell's Angels on his jacket. Like, eee, that's scary business. <laughs> what, what's my point here? It's the, the power of Jesus. He controls everything. He, has, he owns everything. He owns this donkey. The master, the true owner. I couldn't get away with that by borrowing a Harley. Um, but Jesus could. And speaking of donkeys, though, it, would you call a donkey sort of the Harley Davidson of four-legged transportation? Now it's more along the line of a moped. You know, me. Look at me! <laughs> it's, you know, it's rather embarrassing, let's face it. I mean, you know, Jesus could, could come on any means of transportation available. In the future, he will come on a white steed, which is the Harley-Davidson of four-legged transportation. But at this point, he chose the moped. And there's a big reason for that. He's coming humbly and gently. He's coming... Uh, with accessibility. And he's coming. Can you imagine, honestly, uh, this got me choked up while we were singing, you know, Jesus riding on this humble donkey. Remember that little song my mom used to sing it? Hi-ho, away we go, riding on a donkey. Donkey riding, donkey riding. Hi-ho, away we go, riding on a donkey. Anybody heard that? Okay, I'll sing it again. <laughs> My mama used to sing me that song. <laughs> I don't know why. But, <laughs> but seriously, Jesus, the king of the universe, the great I am, the lamb of God, puts himself on a donkey, a borrowed donkey that was unbroken animal. Friendly donkey, but still a donkey. <laughs> Sometimes called a jackass, you know. And he puts himself on this donkey and rides into his own city. Every step, clunk, 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 bringing him closer to dying for my sins. What did it take to keep him on that donkey? What did it take to keep him on that donkey? It took loyal motivation, the love, love, the motivation of love. When we welcome him, he eliminates our fear. There's a beautiful thing here, and I really close with this. I just have a few more minutes to talk. 
It says, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not. Fear not. O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Uh, turn with me quickly, just so that you get used to your Bible a little bit. Uh, there's a set of 12 prophets toward the end of the Old Testament. In fact, they are the end of the Old Testament. And, and the set of 12 at the very end is called the, they are called the minor prophets, only because they're shorter than the major prophets. And this is a quote from uh, Zechariah 9, particularly verse 9. And again, remember uh, what they said that day. What the, uh, no, no, they, they didn't say that. This is what the disciples, what John says about what's happening. Remember, he says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So John says, this is just as it was written in Zechariah and in chapter 9. Look what it says there. It's, there's an interesting thing here. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this is a prophecy directly fulfilling not just what Jesus did this day, but it describes his entire approach. He comes to us humbly, simply, in human flesh. He's approachable. He's available. And dear friends, he's ignorable. You can ignore him. You can, you can just walk away from him. He's riding a donkey. He's riding a moped. Totally uncool. <laughs> what did Jesus say? All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What is the yoke of Jesus? It is his work to do. His work is to submit to God the Father in humility. And he says, you take that same yoke. You submit to God the Father. You quit your long-term argument with God. You can't define reality. He does that very well. He doesn't need your help to define how things are and what things exist. They're, they are there. His moral code is real. He calls us to himself. And Jesus says, if you want rest, you humble yourself. You submit to God the Father. And the cool thing here is, you see, did you see the linguistic change that John put in here? And we, we really not sure exactly why he did it. In, in, but well, we, I think we kind of know, but we just noticed that he did it. And there's no actual um, textual justification for this. It's a purely um, interpretive point that John, the author, makes for us. Here's what Zechariah said. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. 
Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. What did he say? Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey. Those are clearly biblical words, but they're not from Zechariah. What is the point of this? I think he's saying that the ultimate cause of rejoicing is letting go of fear. I think they're polar opposites. I think if you're truly going to rejoice and worship God, you have to let go of your fear. You have to come to God and say, okay, I come, Francis Schaeffer used to say, we come to him with the open hands of faith. And, And that means we're not gripping and holding on to this thing. You know, this is what I fear the most. I will not let it go. No, your king is coming. Let go of that thing. Fear not, O daughter of Zion. Come and submit to your king. He eliminates our fear when we welcome him. Jesus, our king, is coming. He is good and has salvation. He is humble and available. There he is on his donkey. So this is what I'm saying. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. We had this in our psalm last week. Psalm 116, 6. And and, and I like it. I like it a lot. The Lord preserves the simple. He's willing to save you when you receive him by faith. In simplicity, Jesus said you have to become like a well-educated Harvard professor, and then I will save you. No. He says become like a what? A child. He preserves the simple. Now, we're not simpletons. We're not mindless, but we trust, we believe. We come and put our faith in him. When I was brought low, he saved me. The Holy Spirit, if he brings you low and you feel convicted of sin, you should jump up and say, Hallelujah, Hosanna, save me. I am, I am low. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm wrong. I need your loving, gracious commitment You're scooping me off the deck and putting me into your boat. Lord, I need you. If Jesus humbles himself so much to take on human flesh, to be our Savior, to die, to stay on that donkey, footstep, clop, 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 after footstep, if he humbles himself so much, how much more should we? The the foundation of Hosanna is help us, please. I don't come to you and demand it. I don't say I deserve it. I say, please, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. The foundation of blessed is kneeling before God. It's the foundation of our approach to God. Jesus said, learn from Is pride a cause of fear? If we're gripped by fear, is it because we're too proud to trust the Father? Well, I say, it was for the Pharisees. Look at how our text closed, remember? 
there's this huge crowd, and John tells us that they were there because of Lazarus and the great sign of that. None of the other uh, writers mentioned that, that they were there because of this. And the Pharisees keep smashing the panic button. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They're so proud. They hate the revelation of God. They say, no, we will not accept your Messiah. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would deliver us from our innate, inherent, fallen pride of uh, hiding in the bushes, thinking we can hide from you. Lord, flush us out by your tremendous call. Help us to hear your voice. And help us to see Jesus donkey riding for us. Help us to understand his submission to you, Father. Lord, would you please help us to submit to you. And may we May we show and demonstrate that submission through our joy, through our rejoicing, our hosannas, our blessing you on our knees, but with a positive enjoyment of who you are, letting go of what we have done and fully trusting in what you have done. Lord, and I pray for if there's anyone in this room right now who is just uncertain about their relationship with God, that you, Father, would lead them right now to your throne of grace, that they would find help in their time of need. If you're in that position, just admit to God you're needy, infinitely needy, and you need his salvation. And in your own heart, just say, Hosanna, help me, please, save me. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. You are my King, I submit to you as you submitted to the Father for my good. Amen.